there, and thanks for joining me uh, today and the podcast. Uh, good to have you with me. I would like to address a social issue that is before us and uh, has been before us for generations. This is an issue that has been studied and researched and talked about and pursued for years. And we do have general knowledge and general understanding of the answer to this issue. And um, But unfortunately, many of us have not done very much about it, and certainly our political system has not done much about it. And maybe our own community system hasn't done very much about it. And that has to do with hate crimes. You know, in the city in which I live, um, we're very diverse in race and orientation of various kinds and backgrounds, and we come with a variety of preferences and a variety of cultural interests and pursuits. And we're probably not any different than most communities across the country, and maybe even around the world for that matter. We have a lot of people listening to this program from Sweden and Japan and South America and various places, so maybe this is not particularly different for you either. But nonetheless, we live in a day when we have among us and we live with hate crime. Hate crime. Now, hate crime has been understood and studied, you know, for years. But uh, this is when one person who has a beef against another person perpetrates an act of violence or an act of crime against that person primarily because that person belongs to a subgroup of people and they've generally categorized their victim as a member of a subgroup and they treat that victim as they treat the entire subgroup of people. For instance, let me give you an example. In a recent research study in California, we've had an increase of 10%, 11% in hate crimes over this last year, 2015-2016. So we're hating people more, if you think of it that way, and we're certainly taking out on people our hate and perpetrating acts of violence and acts of crime against such people. But who are the hated people? Who are the ones that people seem to focus on and say this is the group that they hate? Well, it doesn't surprise you. The black people are the number one hated people in our country. And I'm dealing here with California, but it's probably across the country. Black people are hated. They're the number one. They're the, they were the most hated subgroup of people than all. Number two are the men who are gay. Gay males were the second most hated subgroup of people, with the third being the Hispanic or the Latino population of people, the fourth being the Jews, and the last being whites. Now, those were the five most hated people in the state of California and perhaps across the country. Now, there were another five groups of people that were not particularly identified as a hate population. And... Um, we won't talk about them. We'll just focus on this five groups of people who we have somehow in America, somehow in California, 
identified them as the people we take our hate on. We take our hate out on them. Now, the, my question is, why do we hate these people? Why, do, why does somebody hate a man who's gay? Why does somebody hate a person because he's black? Why does somebody hate somebody because he's Latino? Why does somebody hate somebody because he's Jewish? And why does somebody hate somebody because he's white? Now, it doesn't say who perpetrates the anger or, or who attacks these people. This is just, these are the victims. These are the victims. Why? Why do we hate these kind of people? What have they done? How do they live? What do they represent? What is their threat? What is their claim on our earth that we are so mad about that we hate them? Not only do we hate them, but we take our hate out on them. We actually perpetrate an act of hate upon them. So my question is, why do we hate these people? Well, the probably answer is many. You know, you may have an answer. I have answers. We all have answers as to why we hate, you know, certain people. But that's kind of one whole question. And answer it for yourself. But the other question that I raise to this issue is, what can a person do that's a member of a hate population, a hate subgroup? What can a person do to reduce that or to change that so they're not hated? What can the black people do so that they become less hated in our culture? What can the Jews do? What can the white people do? What can the Latinos, what can the Hispanics do? What can the gay male do to reduce the hatred perpetrated upon him or her and, and people acting in a, hate way, in a hated way towards them? What can they do? How can they get out of that doldrum? How can they get out of that mess of being a hated subpopulation of people? In other words, they have a responsibility to reduce the hate perpetrated upon them and towards them. We can't necessarily turn to the government and turn to our local churches or local organizations and say, well, you do something about it and we'll get this problem taken care of. No. If you're a hate population, if you're a hate person, if you're a member of a hate group, now, what can you do to reduce the hate generated towards you? Now, in reading the research and reading the articles on this particular topic, here's the issue. In a recent article in the local newspaper said this, that there's more hatred perpetrated in a crime among people who live in a highly dense population, in other words, an urban population, inner city area of, of the country. The big cities and the more dense populated cities have more crime and more hate crime than anywhere else in the state or anywhere else in the country. So hate crimes happen in populations that are densely located. They live in apartment complexes, they live in uh, housing projects, they live in small areas, in a concentrated area, in a downtown area of a city, and they breed, if you will. They attract, if you will, 
crime and hate crime. Now you have to understand this in terms of the uh, research that's being done. When people live in a dense population, there's more crime, there's more violence perpetrated towards them. Not because they're black or because they're white or because they're Latino or whatever, just because they live in a dense population and there's more likely to be frustration, anger, uh, some type of offense, some type of embarrassment, you know, some type of hurt, one towards another. So my point being is that, <coughs> excuse me, my point being is that we perpetrate crime upon people that we live with in a very dense population. It has nothing to do with whether they're black, white, or Hispanic, or Latino, or gay, or whatever it might be. It's the fact that they live closely together. So what can these people do? Obviously, the answer is to move. Move outward. Get out where there's air and space. Get out of those dense populations. And you won't be uh, the object of violence and hate as you would be if you stayed in that particular location. Get out of a location where there are gangs. They tend to be in the more dense downtown populations, inner city populations. Get out of there. So you don't live within the gang-infested community where there's more likely to be crime and more likely to be hate crime. So you can do something, you know, about it. Go back to school. Be educated. Get off the alcohol. Stop being addicted. Stop being influenced by drugs. Because that all perpetrates ill feelings one towards another and the possibility of having hate one towards another. I mean, there's just an enormous lot of lifestyle changes that the people who are the object of hate can do to help themselves become less of an object of hate. Now, that's the message. But here's the other aspect of that. When you read the articles and read the research, the increase in the hate crimes occurred, in California anyway, probably across the country, but certainly in California, as the election process proceeded. In other words, as we came from September, October, November, and we came to a voting point in time, the hate crimes increased significantly during that particular period of time. In other words, the voting process that we just went through, but it's probably at any given time, polarizes people, puts people in conflict with each other, puts people in competition with each other, which people one against another, opinions and attitudes are widespread, but they polarize one against another. In this case, a Republican against a Democrat, Democrat against a Republican, you know, and so on. So what we found is in the uh, voting process, there's kind of a stirring of the pot of anger. There's a stirring of the pot of violence. There's a stirring of the pot of competition and jealousy one to the other, and that perpetrates crime, and it happens to focus much more on a certain number of people, groups of people, than others because of their involvement in that political process. In other words, how many people attended rallies and uh, various ways in which the Democrats and the Republicans had meetings and had speeches and had conventions and so on. And who shows up to that? Who shows up to those kind of 
places. Well, those are the people where hate crimes were perpetrated upon. So you see, there are circumstantial situations that account you know, for the hate crime. It isn't just something that happens every single day, but it's motivated, it's pushed, if you will, by certain events. And when people are in the political process, when people are in a political voting mode, they polarize. They're different from each other. They're competitive with each other. They're one against another. And whenever you have that kind of motivation and you have that kind of mindset, you're more likely to see crime. You're more likely to see one against another in some kind of, even a friendly competition is more likely, you know, to occur. But the other point is this, in, in terms of some of the research and how people are and the personalities of individuals, you know, this is the psychology of crime, if you will. There's more crime occurred, uh, more crime created, more crime acted in our country, in, in our communities, when people come to an event already angry. In other words, if you carry around in your pocket a big pile of anger, and then you go to some event where there is push and shove and, and yelling and screaming and beating each other up and that kind of thing, you're more likely to enter in and be a source of conflict and violence yourself. In other words, you don't act on, in a violent way just because you're angry. You carry that around for a long time. But you're ready to act in violence. You're ready to explode. You're ready to take on the world. You're ready to take on the guy who's different from you. You're ready to take on the one who argues with you and f confronts you and face-to-face -face spits at you or whatever it might be. It only takes a spark. And then all that anger comes out and is perpetrated upon that individual. Happens to be black, happens to be white, happens to be a gay person, or whatever it might be, but not necessarily targeted. But just the fact that that kind of interaction took place, that perpetrated that act of violence and crime of one kind you know, or another. So we act in violence because we are provoked to violence. That's why we tell parents, don't provoke your children to wrath. Don't get your children worked up because they have some anger within them. They have some unresolved feelings. And if you as a parent provoke your children to wrath, you're going to get wrath. So it's in a sense it's your own fault if you kind of think of it that way. It's to reduce the wrath. It's to reduce the anger. It's to reduce the violence. It's to reduce the tension and the conflict that people carry around with them. And you do that through kindness, and you do that through uh, being gracious, and you do that through being considerate and be empathetic and compassionate and caring and be helpful. And to take on a responsibility to lift each other up rather than to tear each other down or to divide one person from another. Well, I hope this has been interesting and helpful to you. Uh, obviously, in your own life, do something about it. Where you have anger, dissipate it. Get it taken care of. Reduce it. So that when you get into a conflict situation, you don't act in anger. Okay? If you're in an anger mode, do something. may have to move. may have to change some of your habits. may get out of some of your addictions. You know, get out of that kind of stuff. Now, I know it's easy to say and hard to do. 
But I'm a psychologist, and the, the point is to say, you got to change. Now, if you don't know how to change, then you get into therapy with somebody, and they will walk you through the steps of making those changes. That's why therapy is so important. And you need to be in If you don't know how to change your behavior, you don't know how to bring about a, an improved lifestyle, if you don't know how to reduce your stress, if you don't know how to reduce your feelings of anger, if you don't know how to feel differently towards somebody that you really should, then find somebody, get a therapist, and start walking through the process. And you'll learn, and you'll be thankful for it, and our world will be better. And if you're the victim of a lot of crime, if you're a black person, you know, you're a gay male, you know, if you're Hispanic, if you're Latino, you know, if you're a Jew, if you're white, where these are the objects of a lot of anger, then think about it. What can you do to make a change so you won't be the object of anger? People won't think of you as a person to perpetrate a crime upon or hate upon. They'll begin to feel comfortable and relaxed and more caring and more uh, safe in your presence. You have a duty to do that. If you don't know how to do that, go talk to somebody. Get a therapist and go talk about it and ask that question. What can I do to remove myself from the place in life where I am the object or the subject of hate? We can all do something. Someday we need help to do it. But we can do it. Hey, good to have you with me today. And uh, I do recommend you get into my website, booksbyhedberg.com. Got a great book there on achieving and living a healthy lifestyle. This topic fits into that. And I have some subjects on that. I have a book on Dr. Teach Me to Parent. What parents can do to help their children feel less hated. To reduce their anger and to untie that anger knot. That otherwise these kids live. So get a book so you can be helped. And you know what to do. So it's booksbyhedberg.com. Hey, nice to have you with me today, and uh, bye for now.